Let's get to the Bible here today because that's why we are here in this part of the service. And so I'm excited. I want to ask you to stand with me all over this place and let's read together Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse number 1. Ephesians 4, verses number 1 through 7, if you're taking notes. And so here's what it says It says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Let's pray. God, we, we just kind of take a deep breath and invite you into this moment. We know that you are already here, God, but we also know that there are significant times when you, Holy Spirit, show up and speak and give us exactly what we need to, to move forward. And so, God, we are asking that through your very word, Holy Spirit, you would move and that you would show us things. We give this to you, God, and it's in your name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. All right, all right, that's enough. That's one high five, come on. <laughs> Going a little nutso over here. I know, fall is here, is so beautiful. Oh man, if it, I, I don't know, if it could stay 50 to 70 degrees all year round, like let's just, let's just call that heaven for a moment and some of you are like, boo, we need 85 and... I'd be sweating, and I love, I brought the jacket out today, I, I look good, I feel good. <laughs> we're set, never mind, here we go. We're asking the question, we're asking the question, what does it look like for us to build the kingdom of God locally? What does that look like? And I wanna set it up this way for today. The temptation for me is to view a question like this and view the local piece of our church family and what it looks like to be a Christian in a church to view all of that through what I would call a strategic lens. That's the temptation for me, like to make this entire series and this message about church strategy. And I'm very strategic in the way that I actually think about church uh, more than I think some of the places that you maybe grew up going to church, uh, that we think church strategy, and we're always trying to be more effective, and we want to have we want to have our Sunday morning gathering be something significant, and we want it like so. We are strategic in all of that, uh, and and you know even the teenagers and the children and programs and strategy. Okay, uh, that's the temptation for me when I ask myself this question. But as I've been studying and as I've been preparing and as I've been praying. Like God has just reminded me again and again that though strategy and though programs and all of that in the church are important, they themselves all alone kind of just fall short. And, and I'll kind of explain it this way. The best way, uh, and this is the simple truth, the best way for us to impact central Minnesota is actually for us as a church to just be the body of Christ. 
Okay, now that's, that may seem like super simplistic. Uh, it, it may even come across cheesy or churchy in the way that we talk like that. Uh, but like this is where I feel God leading us today as a church, the best way for us to impact central middle, to, to locally impact the world around us is actually for us just to be the body of Christ. And so today is what I'm calling like, a corporate message. It's a message for us as a church family. Uh, And I'm also very much aware of the fact that some of us, it's your first time here today. And for some of us, you are a guest and you don't even live around here and you are just here uh, enjoying the beautiful Sock Center and you came to church. And, uh, and so for some, this, like, this isn't your church and whatever else. But here's the good news in all of this. Uh, you kind of get to see in inner workings of what a church family should be. Uh, and this is the body of Christ. At least that's the language that the Bible uses to talk about the church, the body of Christ. Now, a few moments ago, we read a passage of scripture from Ephesians chapter 4. It's a familiar passage of scripture, at least to me, very much familiar. And I I feel like I've preached on this passage often over the years. And so some of us, maybe if you've been around here for a decade, you've heard some of this before, but that's okay. The context to these few verses, which always helps, is that this is one of the Apostle Paul's letter. And maybe you've heard of this man named Paul. We speak a lot about Paul and his letters around here because, quite frankly, he wrote a whole bunch of the Bible. Is this man named Paul, especially when you look at the part of the Bible that was written after Jesus came. Uh, He wrote all sorts of things to that. Now, Ephesians is called a prison letter. A prison letter, which simply means that the author, Paul, wrote this letter while he was in prison. Why is he in prison? He's in prison because Paul is traveling the Roman Empire, telling everybody, Caesar ain't Lord, y'all. Jesus is Lord. That's, the, that's what, word for word what he was telling people, okay? And the Roman Empire says, no, this is not a good thing. They throw him in prison. He's in prison at least three times, possibly four. Scholars argue a little bit on that, but eventually he's going to be killed in prison Uh, He's going to be executed for his faith in Jesus. And this particular passage uh, is part of a letter that was written to a a fairly large church in in a city called Ephesus. Ephesus, important city right on the Mediterranean Sea, right in the middle of the Greek-Roman world. So picture with me, this is all set up and now we're getting to it, picture with me a spiritual leader Uh, This man named Paul started this church in Ephesus a decade ago or something like that, is now in prison, and he writes a letter back to some of these people that was going to be read out loud in front of this congregation and discussed and talked about. That's what we have right here. And we get towards the end of this letter, and Paul gets to this beautiful section, and we're just going to touch on a part of it, but this beautiful section is on what does it look like to be the body of Christ, And eventually, uh, a few verses after what we're looking at today, Paul's going to say things like, uh, you know, the body of Christ as every supporting ligament works the way that it should. The body of Christ can function and do all of this thing. And it's this beautiful imagery of a human body and the, and the church kind of looking and, and doing things like the same. Okay, so I want to give you three statements from this section. Write this down if you're taking notes. So we're, I'm going to give you a statement. Scripturally, we'll talk about it, and then we'll add a little application to us today. So number one is this. Number one is this. Live a life 
worthy of the calling. We're asking the question, what does it look like for us to impact our community locally? And we're asking the bigger question then, what does it look like for us to be the body of Christ? Uh, this phrase Paul u- is the phrase Paul uses as he begins this section of Scripture. Verse 1, as a prisoner for the Lord, literally he's a prisoner, uh, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now I understand this is about like as churchy of words as we could use here, talking about living a life that is calling. Uh, calling. And some of us, it's like, what does that even what does that even mean? And so uh, let's talk through this quickly. Understanding the word calling is central to understanding this statement. Okay, live a life worthy of the calling. Well, what is the calling? And most of the time when we hear that word, uh, people's minds go in one of two directions. Okay, this word calling. First, it's easy in the church world to hear that word and think of like a pastor or a missionary or somebody who has some special calling from God on their life. And we think of it that way. Second, we sometimes use this word in terms of even just a career in a much more generic piece. Like some people are called to be teachers and others are called to be nurse and others called to run a business or whatever, and we just talk about it that way. Third, as Christians, sometimes we use it as as calling as like our purpose and what we're supposed to be doing, but that's not, none of those is what this really is, okay? Um, This is the universal call of God to his creation, specifically humanity. In fact, one scholar described it like this, the gospel or this would be, that would be the story of Jesus and what he has done, dying on the cross and raising from the dead. The gospel summons us to believe in Jesus as the risen Lord and King and to give him complete and undivided allegiance for the rest of our lives. Okay? Now, that's the call, and to live a life worthy of that, and I'm going to put the next slide up here that's going to add to this, to live a life worthy of that is for us to, in every moment, in every decision, with every word and action, we are to be aware that the call to follow Jesus the Messiah and give him our complete loyalty takes precedence over everything else. Now that is deep, that is massive, that is, some of us look at that and we think that's like near stinking impossible. Every decision, everything we do, every word and action, we are aware, okay? And that takes precedence over everything else in our life, okay? I don't want to move too, too quickly through this because there is so much depth. That, that could be an entire sermon series all by itself. We could take a month to try to, try to flesh that out and say, what is, how do I do that? And how do I move in that direction? It's difficult, but it's also beautiful. Uh, it requires much, but it also accomplishes, accomplishes much. And why talk about any of this when we, t- like when we come to the idea of local or, or the body of Christ? Be- because listen to me, and here's where I'm getting at with this point right here and why, and why Paul starts with this, is like too many so-called Christians in our culture have, their lives have no real difference than the local people around them. Their lives have no real difference. 
And as Christians, don't miss this right here. Some of you are sleeping, but this is good right here. Come back to me for a second. As Christians and as a church, if there is no difference, then we have no impact. If the life that we are living as individual Christians are not different than the people around us, then we have no impact on them for the body or for the glory of Jesus. It begins with a group of people gathered together and our undivided allegiance is actually towards Jesus Christ. And we are moving every day towards every moment, every decision, every word, every action, taking precedent, that taking precedence over everything else. And that mindset fills us with purpose, by the way. Um, And this fall actually coming up, Coming up, this is a little bit of a, we haven't been talking about this at all, but we are, in a couple weeks, we are starting a a sermon series that we're calling it Out of the Cave. Out of the Cave is going to be a study on anxiety and depression and mental illness in our culture. One of the massive leading causes of uh, of this pandemic that is going through our world Uh, when it comes to depression and anxiety, is a lack of purpose. A lack of purpose. And we're going to talk about some of those types of things. I'm not a a doctor, okay? I struggle with some of the same issues and the same understanding, of okay? But we're going to look at some of this from a biblical, a lack of purpose. And so this right here gives us a purpose, which is a beautiful thing, okay? Um, And all that leads to Paul's second piece here. First, live a life worthy of that call. And second, living that life together leads to this beautiful, undivided unity. Or or to say it clearly, the body of Christ must be and stay united. Be and stay united. Immediately following, live a life worthy of the call, Paul says this, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient Bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now understand something about this letter. This is a man who is writing to church people. He's writing it to church people in regards to how they should act and respond to fellow church people. Do you understand that? That this is not a section telling Christians to be kind to people on the outside. Though that's all over the Bible, that's not what this is, okay? Uh, Like, this right here is Christians interacting with each other. The body of Christ interacting with the body of Christ, specifically as a part of a church family. And in that context, he tells these people, and he tells us, be completely humble to each other. Be be completely gentle. And and we could dive into these words, but I don't think we need to. Uh, Be patient, okay? Bearing with one another in love. To bear with one another in love is to learn to love each other even, even when we carry with ourselves all sorts of faults. Bearing with one another in, in love, even though we make mistakes. And then we get to verse number three, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort is strong language. Uh, the study of that is a whole amazing, awesome thing, but you could just even say it this way, like, do everything you possibly can 
It's, it's not like, yeah, you should kind of, you should, you should try a little bit to maybe. It's like every effort, everything needs to be fighting for that. Work as hard as possible. Make every effort. And what is it that we are supposed to make every effort to do to keep the unity of the spirit is what it says. This, this word keep, to keep the unity this word keep is often translated as the word guard. We don't have, uh, this was written in a different language. We have it translated. And some of your Bibles, we wouldn't say the word guard. Uh, in fact, as I looked at this, a very literal translation of the original language, make every effort to guard the unity of the faith, to guard the unity of the spirit. The picture here is that together we would guard unity, kind of like a troop of soldiers would guard a city or something of value. Unity in the body of Christ is extremely valuable and something to be guarded. Well, here's the question that is unity an issue still today? in the body of Christ. Because clearly Paul says it was 2,000 years ago. He's writing to them and telling them to guard that with everything they have. Is unity an issue today? And to that I would say, absolutely, if that's a word. Massive issue. Massive issue in the body of Christ today that we have. Uh, and, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll just explain it a little bit like this. Our church family, even that we have right here, is filled with all sorts of different people with different backgrounds, different ages, different family situations, different religious understandings and traditions that we come from. Uh, And we all carry with us, as we come into this place together, we all carry with us all sorts of baggage and issues from our past. We carry with us all sorts of um, understandings of the Bible and a little different, we carry with us even little different political leanings and ideas and thoughts about the government and America and whatever else. We carry all of that in here together and we're supposed to somehow then be a unified body of Christ going out to, to do something incredible. And you can wonder why the church in America, and when I say church, I'm just talking about like the general, the church in America has lost and is losing its effectiveness. Because the body of Christ in America simply cannot get along anymore with each other. And we bicker over what color we're going to paint walls and what, you know, whatever junk you want to bicker and argue about. And then we get on Facebook and we're, okay, we cannot get along for some reason. And Paul here just says like, man, guard unity with everything that you have because like, you could just say it simply like this, a divided church is no good to anybody. A divided church cannot heal a broken world. A divided church. And so when we are looking at this idea of what does it look like for us locally to build the kingdom of God, where we're at with this right here is if we cannot figure out how to get on the same page, moving in the same direction, doing things okay, the same, unified, then we are never going to heal the broken world around us doesn't work like that, okay? We cannot be a disunified group of people and somehow expect to have an impact, okay? Now, and that, so we humbly respond to each other. 
We have patience with each other. We are quick to forgive. We are quick to, like we hurt, work hard to guard unity and that sets us up, that sets up the third and final piece of this today and that is just this. We have individual responsibility to the body of Christ. So we have this beautiful thing of working and living for the calling that we have that God is, Jesus has summoned us and to give our lives for this, and, we are, and that unifies us all together, and we guard that unity, but we also understand that individually in this place, we all have a responsibility to this togetherness that we have, okay? Uh, verse number seven, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That's verse seven. Strange phrasing here. Each one of us has been given grace as Christ apportioned it. Kind of sounds like Jesus is giving different amounts of grace to different people. What, is, what does that mean? Uh, the, the word grace here is the Greek word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, C-H-A-R-I-S. It's where it's the beginning of where we get the word charisma or charismatic uh, is what we, that, that Greek word for us. Uh, it's a confusing word, but for us, it's actually, there's a much, a much easier translation. It's just simply the word gift. It's just the word gift. God has given us different graces or different gifts is a different way to put that. What Paul is saying here, and don't miss this right here, each individual in the body of Christ has been given different gifts or giftings. Now, as Paul will explain in other places, and we don't have time today to go into this stuff, but this is a combination of natural talent, giftings, um, God-given gifts in that way. It's also a combination of what we call spiritual gifts, okay? Uh, but, but understand the very, the very things that crack the unity of the body of Christ are also the very things that make us who we are. Our differences can lead to disunity, but our differences are also, when we come together, what make us special and significant, okay? Because we are different with different pasts, different giftings, different experiences, and we come together with, under this beautiful call with all of those differences, those giftings, and when we bring them all in and we humbly unite as the body of Christ, the world is different. That's how this should look, and central Minnesota is different, and the question that we are asking is, what does it look like for us to build the kingdom of God locally, and that question gets answered as the people of God become the body of Christ, and we stay united, and we individually take responsibility to do our part, but listen to me, there is a church pandemic that has happened over the past 50 or so some years, and that is that church has, in America has become a place that we go to get, and it's a building that we walk into, and we have our culture has created a consumer mindset when it comes to church. Don't miss me on this, okay? A consumer mindset says this about the body of Christ. I can come whenever I want to. My commitment level doesn't have to be very high. And I'm just coming. 
I'm not giving anything. I'm not serving in any way. I come and I sit in a chair and look towards the front, and the person on the front is going to now bring something to me. Now, you know what else that sounds a whole lot like? Going to a movie theater or a sporting event. I'm going to sit in the crowd and the people in front of me or whatever's in front of me is now going to bring something for me. That is not the picture of the body of Christ. Don't miss this. The body of Christ is not a place that we go to get. The body of Christ is something that we are. And as we are that, we do that by serving and individually you have a responsibility to this. And so, like, for some of us in this place, I mean, I, I, I love that we get our feet wet and we're coming to a place maybe for the first or second time, but, like, if, you, if you've been coming to our church for a long time and this is still just something that you come to sometimes to put in your time and to come and sit and face forward and try to get something, then, then we're missing it. And this matters, and this shouldn't be about feeling guilty. and feel, the, the call of Jesus should summon us to something bigger here. As we are now gathering together, the hope of the world, and the hope of the world is the body of Christ that is doing body of Christ stuff. We're united under this call, and we individually take responsibility and we serve and we give and we go and we do. Okay, music team, please come. Some of you are like, I cannot believe I came to church. I picked a bad week. <laughs> that guy needs to stop yelling and go Vikings and whatever else. All right. Okay, now, um, before, before we go, let's just pull this all together and take just a few moments for a time of reflection. And for me, when I get in a service like this, um, first of all, I love to write things down and it's so helpful for me to do that. And when I get to the end of a service like this, I'm always purposefully asking myself very clear questions. And I wanna just kind of lead you through what I would ask if I was, in, if I was listening to this today. I would ask the first, first I would say, Am I living a life worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ? And I would pause and I would say, like, am I moving closer and closer to giving him my complete and undivided allegiance? Am I, am I moving in that direction? Because I think it's hard to answer that question. Am I living, am I living a life worthy of the calling? Like, it's hard for me not to say, well, not always, like, I mean, that it's just like, I'm just, and so for me, I change, I, I reword that a little and say, am I moving in that direction? Every moment, every decision, every word and action, how am I doing at that? Am I, is that the direction that my life is going? Second, like, how, how am I doing when it comes to the, to the unity in the body of Christ? I would ask myself that. I have my own personal preferences of what church should look like. And I have songs that I like better than other songs. And I have certain things that I like more than, am I, am I willing to lay down some of my personal preferences for the good of the unity of the body of Christ? 
And I have passions when it comes to political things, and I have passions when it comes to America. But for me, those things, those, those things need to be secondary because Jesus, Jesus is the focus. And his body is what the body of Jesus, the, ch- the church, the local church, is what America needs. To step up and do what we were called to do. And am I, how am I doing individually at contributing to that? Are there personal preferences I need to lay down? And then finally, just like, in what ways am I just a consumer of church? And what does it look like for me to transition and be more of a contributor? And to be individually like using my gifts and my passions and my talents and we come together and something incredible is the result of that instead of something I just come to sometimes to give or to to get what does this look like for me to move in that direction am I doing that please stand with me all over this place with every head bowed and and eye closed for just a moment of privacy and reflection. Maybe you're here today and and like me, God is challenging you to to reevaluate some things. He's challenging me to be a better individual and contributor to the body of Christ. He's challenging me to fight and guard for unity and be aware of that, to forgive and to live with grace, to be humble and kind to the people in our church family. And maybe God's asking you to do that too in in different ways. And I believe that in moments like this, the Holy Spirit puts things in minds and in hearts. And sometimes those things are different from person to person, depending on where we're at. And But God is calling and asking all of us to move forward, to take a step closer to some of this today. And as a church, this, like this series is about the kingdom of God locally. And it's so easy for me to just say, okay, we need to do youth group better and whatever else, but it's really just about us unifying under this beautiful purpose and this beautiful calling of giving glory to God. What does it look like for you to take a step in that direction today? God, I pray in this moment right here for every single person in this place and every person in our church family, God, that we would be challenged and that we would be gently pushed forward even today. That Holy Spirit, we would not feel this condemnation from the enemy of you are a failure, but that we would feel this gentle leading Holy Spirit of you just saying, come on, there's a better way. And that we would move in that direction. And so God, I pray that as you work and as you speak to hearts today, that that would happen. We give this to you. And God, we just pray also in this moment for somebody in this place, maybe even a handful of people who have never responded to you, who have never, God, actually put their faith and their trust in you as Savior. 
And God, I pray that even in this moment, as you are drawing people and calling people to that, I pray that something significant would take place in somebody's life. In fact, if you are here today and you have never responded to the message of Jesus, I'm not asking if you were baptized as a baby or went through confirmation class. That's not what this is. Have you ever made a personal decision to say yes to Jesus and what he has done for you. See, there is forgiveness and there is grace, but it's in us, it's in us saying, I believe in you, Jesus, and I accept what you have done. You cannot earn your way into heaven. You cannot earn your way into being right with God. It's only through what he has done, but we have a part to play just saying, God, I give you my life. And maybe you're here and you have never done that. You can do that in this moment right here as is on your own. You can just pray a prayer and say, God, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. I believe in you. Come into my life and my heart and change me. I want to live for you and you can pray that prayer even behind a screen today you can respond to the message of Jesus for the very first time and so God we pray for those that are even praying that prayer and making that decision in this moment God we thank you we need you and Lord I pray that as we walk out these doors today that we would be more aware of you Holy Spirit that we would tell people your story and show people your love and be the body of Christ to a local world that desperately needs the hope of Jesus we thank you God for all you have done we worship you for who you are and and it's in the powerful life-changing name of Jesus we pray everybody said Amen, amen.